Hello and welcome to Miles to Memories. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined this week by my co-host Mark Osterman and Ryan S., our special guest. Joe has the week off. On this show, we are going to talk about some really cool stuff, including our new point valuations. We took a different methodology to determining what points and miles are worth, and I think you'll find that interesting. We're going to dive into it with Ryan, who's the person who did all of the research. Plus, we're going to talk about his crazy international trip that he just took, getting denied boarding, getting detained in Togo. Tons of crazy stuff happened. Lots of interesting things. Stick around for that. But first, please consider subscribing. mtmpodcast.com is where you can go to find links to subscribe in your favorite apps. Also, consider leaving us a review. And finally, consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. We have private Discord and Facebook groups, bonus content every single week. You can come and join us for live podcast recordings. Plus, Mark and I do a 30-minute Q&A and chat before every single podcast. Check it out, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. Thanks so much for listening. Let's hit it. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you on uh, for your first episode with us and glad uh, you're back home. You've been traveling quite a bit, right? Yeah, I just spent about two weeks uh, bouncing around a couple of countries in West Africa. So I'm sure we'll get more into the nuts and bolts of some interesting things that happened on that trip. Yeah, quite a few interesting things and looking forward to talking about that. I know every time something crazy happened, Mark got all excited because you had a new story to tell yes. on the website. <laughs> I was actually against you. <laughs> I, I actually was laughing when I heard Joe joking about that on the podcast that I was listening to the recordings of one of them when I was sitting in an airport, I uh, had a flight that was delayed and I decided to listen to the podcast. And I was just sitting in the corner of the boarding area, cracking up to <laughs> Joe jokes about that. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a truth. That's why. Cause Mark, Mark likes juicy stories. I've yes. the website. And of course, Mark is here. Course. Mark, you came to Vegas last week and we had uh, some interesting times. We got to see Circa. The video's up. I guess that was my rapid fire, so I just I just cut that out just to make Mark happy. But the video's up on the YouTube channel, Circa. We hung out. We got to see it, and uh, we'll have some more thoughts on that. But did you have a fun trip? Yeah, I mean, it was my first uh, flight since February. Yeah, I think it was like end of February was the last time I flew. So first flight since then, which, it, you know, it was more normal than I expected. It, you had to wear the mask and all that stuff. And I was flying Delta, so they blocked the middle seat, which was nice. It was kind of like being in a uh, first class in economy. You had all that space. Um, and then on the flight back, uh, you know, there was probably like 20 people total on the whole plane. So it was really one of the better flights I've had. So it was a little bit different. Vegas was a little bit different, you know, and, and in previous episodes, I had said I probably wouldn't want to go to Vegas until there's no masks or, or anything like that, just because I feel like it dampers the fun. But I still had a really good time. I mean, it's not 100% experience, but it was enough that I thought it was worth it. And checking out Circo was really cool. I had high expectations and it lived up to it, which I, you know, rarely ever happens. So that was cool. Um, and I know we're if you're into into Circa or want to watch it, you know, watch the YouTube video. And then me and Sean are going to have a separate video come out that talks about, you know, our thoughts on it, what we liked, what we didn't like. And uh, I'll be doing a post on it as well. So check that out for sure. But it was a great week. And then, you know, capped off the weekend, Michigan State beat Michigan when they were a 22 point underdog. So I had a pretty great week. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and uh, for people who uh, don't visit the YouTube channel too often. Mark and I do a weekly 
video podcast there called MTM Vegas. And so that's what we'll be discussing this stuff. So if you're into into podcasts, this type of stuff, clearly you're listening to this podcast, check out the MTM Vegas podcast. For now, it's just a video podcast on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. But you did score an upgrade uh, to Nobu and got yourself comp there, which was uh, which was fun. Yeah. How was the how was the table gaming experience? Because that's the one thing I don't I don't gamble. So I'm not at the tables. That's kind of the one thing I'm not able to convey to people. How was that uh, with the social distancing and everything else? Yeah, I mean, it's actually, it's not too bad because they only have three seats. Normally they have six seats at a table. They only had three to, to give a little bit of spacing. I mean, most of the time I didn't have anybody at the table with me. You know, I gambled a little bit at Circa and then I gambled some at Caesars. And most of the time it was just me at the table. The one time I did have the full table, the guy next to me just decided to sit kind of close. And I was like, dude, you know, and he came before there was a third person. I'm like, why are you sitting right next to me? And then the chair was like pretty close to my chair. I'm like, what's going on here? This is a little bit weird, but overall it wasn't bad. You know, I still ordered a beer and I would lift up my mask to take a sip and put it back down immediately. So, I mean, you can still do most of what you want to do. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit, it's different, but it's not terrible. Rick in the live chat says he got robbed because <laughs> Rick joined us uh, from the uh, Diamond Group. He ended up being in Vegas at the same time, so we hung out with him for a little bit. And uh, yeah, Circa, the uh, the first dealer, I wasn't doing so great, and then they had a dealer change, and then I was doing really well, and then the first dealer came back and took all my money. So I don't know what it is. The cards don't change, but when a dealer comes in, for some reason, some dealers you win with, some dealers you lose with, it just seems to work that way. But they did have really friendly employees. The pit boss was really friendly as well. I remember there. Yeah. So yeah, everybody so, was super anyways, nice. If you like Vegas talk, check out our Vegas uh, podcast. But let's get into the main part of the show, and we are going to tackle the age-old question that everybody in Miles and Points has always wondered, and what they always ask: What are Miles and Points worth? And of course, many other websites have their version of that, where they've come up with numbers. But we wanted to kind of dive in deep and and do sample bookings and try to figure out what Miles and Points are worth. And we did that. And uh, were you guys surprised? The, the article's live on the website. And uh, we talked about hotel, airline miles, and then transferable points. I guess start off, Mark, kind of with the how how you conceived this. How did we approach this differently than maybe other websites did? Yeah, so it's something that I've been wanting to put together for a while. just have never had time. So I, I enlisted Ryan's help. He did pretty much all the work. Well, he did all the work. I just, uh, we, we kind of spitballed back and forth what to do, but he did all the bookings and and uh, wrote it all up and everything. And I wanted something, you know, because we all write articles and we and we give points, uh, valuations in our articles, but depending on who the writer is on Miles to Memories, you know, the valuations are going to be different. So I wanted something that was systematic that we could all use. So no matter whose article you're reading, they're getting the same information. But I didn't want it to just be off, you know, a lot of people just base it off of their, their history or their specific bookings, um, stuff like that. So it's biased, it's lean, it leans towards, you know, I, I, I usually fly domestic, and I use my Delta miles for that. So these are the value that I put on Delta miles. But that's not really a legit picture of what their value is. So what we did, what Ryan did was, um, he would search for several bookings and would do a dummy booking for economy and for first class. And he gave values for both. He put a range in there of the low end, the high end. He did partner bookings and, you know, their own metal booking. So it's a, it's a wide scope and it, it did produce values that I was kind of surprised at stuff that I'm not normally getting, but 
when you look at it that way, you know, people in the comments said, Hey, I'm not getting anywhere near that for economy and American airlines. And I'm like, well, if you're looking domestic American airlines, then no, you're probably low end 1.2 cents. But if you're looking, you know, international booking on Cathay or something like that, your price is going to go up. So this is showing what you can do on average if you're using the the scope of the entire program. So I thought that was interesting. But Ryan, what did you find most interesting or some of the ones that stuck out to you? Yeah, American Airlines is actually a, a good example because I think that some of the deals that um, that they offer and Delta does some of the same things where they have those reduced mileage awards that skews the numbers in what might be kind of an artificial way because if there's one of these um, point breaks or uh, domestic award sales and they're offering something that's normally say 10,000 or 12,000 miles and now they're offering it for 5,000 that skews the numbers and maybe you're not getting that all the time and I do understand that people have that point maybe I'm not getting this all the time because those are getting skewed um, and then I do think that um, certain partners maybe overcharge might be the best word. Um, and I was talking to someone about this in the comments that maybe some of the airlines are just overcharging the price and that might skew the results for how much value am I getting for each of my miles or you know per mile, what's the value? Because it might be do I really think that British Airways or Virgin Atlantic, these are the two that I kind of cite the most, do I really think that their flights on the same route as some other airline, do I think that their flight is worth three times the price? No, I don't. But because that's what they charge, instead of the other airline is charging $1,000 for this flight, they're charging 3000 for the same flight, same route, same day, just British Airways versus someone else. So when I use my miles for booking that British Airways flight, it kind of inflates, well, I'm getting seven cents per point. Am I really getting seven cents per point or are they just overcharging for the flight? And I think that that throws off some of the results in a kind of strange way that on paper, yeah, you're getting huge value for that redemption. But in practical application, maybe you're only getting the real value of what maybe the normal airlines out and they're the outlier, maybe you're getting, the actual value that you're getting is kind of more conservative and, and British Airlines is just artificially inflating their prices in a way that makes it unrealistic and then inflates the redemption value. So some of those things I found really surprising. Um, I was also surprised by there, where there were a few airlines that the value of their economy bookings came in as more valuable than their business class booking. And I found that the domestic airlines in the US were more common to have this result, like JetBlue and Southwest, the value of economy bookings was much better because they require so many points for a business class or like domestic first class booking that the value of business and first class <laughs> bookings on those just now, absolutely tanked. Who even books Southwest business? <laughs> It's like what, this extra ticket for an extra two hundred dollars. Uh, so you know, you know, ten thousand points, whatever it is, and I'm going to spend an extra fifteen thousand points so I can get this one drink ticket and I get to sit in the front row. Like I'm going to be the first one off that plane. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's so the one to get away isn't available, so then you get forced into. Yeah, the I guess there must but, be people who buy them. I mean, 
I think it, I think the only people that I, I understand the cash price, if you're having your company pay for it and you're like, hey, I want to get more miles. I want to get the companion pass. I don't care. You know, I'll run up their bill. Who cares? But to book it with miles, I just don't unless it's everything else is sold out. I don't know why anybody would do it. You get less uh, value. <laughs> it's not like uh, other airlines where your miles are going to expire just no matter what. So you need to burn them because Southwest, your miles, the life of them will get extended with with activity. Right. So it's not like you're sitting there. Well, I've got these 372,000 miles sitting around and they're going to expire tomorrow. So I, I just can't see why you would burn. And, and the numbers I also are really weird uh, in the bookies. For this flight, you need 173,429 miles to redeem for business class flight. Why? Why this number? <laughs> so, but yeah, to circle back around, I, I was really surprised by some of these. And in order to try to be fair, we made sure that we were looking at destinations that were across the globe. Some flights for each different partner that we were using, we wanted to use kind of some of their main hubs. So like with British Airways, making sure that we had some flights that were going in and out of London, but also going to popular places at a popular time because the cash price is going to be much higher, um, like flying to Cancun at spring break time. It's going to be harder to find flights. The cash price is going to be higher. But then we should also look at bookings going to like Montana on a Tuesday in February, because this is the full spectrum of what that airline program offers. And we need to cover kind of the full gamut. So some of those, I think, also push the extremes of the, the low end of the redemption and the high end, um, because we made sure to look at popular times and unpopular times more common routes plus less common routes um, using that airline's miles to book that airline itself. And then also booking on multiple different partners around the globe. The idea of this was to, to get people to kind of look at what they're booking, you know, cause everybody gets into their rut and their normal, you know, okay, Delta is worth 1.1 cents to me. That's just what it is. And maybe that's what you've been getting, but this shows you, you know, the range. And we put that for every single airline mile, every single hotel point, Ryan put the range in there of like what he saw on the low end and what he saw on the high end. So it gives you an idea of, of where you can go. And then he, he put in there the average, you know, where the middle point was. So it, it's more of just like a tool you can use to check and see, okay, where am I? When you book a hotel or you book a flight, Google flights will tell you this is going in. You're getting a good deal. You're getting a bad deal. Like it shows you where that price is for that day versus normal. So you can go into this uh, book market, go into it and then check, say, okay, I'm getting this for this airline mile. Where does this fall on the spectrum? Am I, you know, leaning towards the high side? Am I leaning towards the low side? Is it good? Is it bad? So this gives you all of that. There's a lot of info in there. It's definitely worth worth checking on and coming back to. So we tried to do it as as fair as possible, and then also give you the full spectrum of it. So I think uh, Ryan did a great job, nailed it out of the park. So definitely, you know, give it a look if you haven't already. I agree. I think let's talk hotel points for a second. Uh, Ryan, what was most surprising to you about the hotel valuations that you came to? That was actually uh, something that I wanted to jump on as well. I think people are much more likely to compare like, should I buy or should I use points with hotels much, much more than people do with airfare. So the hotel part, I think to me, I, I personally will reference, I think a lot, the hotel, if this is the range of what we're getting from these bookings, should I pay cash for this hotel room or should I use my points? Is this a decent valuation? Um, and I think that the the hotel points 
some of the more surprising elements for me. I was surprised by actually Radisson. And uh, and I say that because I've seen good Radisson redemptions before. But there are also Radisson redemptions where they require a lot of points in ways that I think didn't always make sense to me when I was checking the various bookings that I was doing. Why sometimes the points, for example, within a week, hotels will often price the same hotel room differently throughout the week. On a Tuesday night, it might be cheaper. On Friday and Saturday night, it might be more expensive. But Radisson seems to never sway from the amount of points that they want for that night. So depending on the nights that I was checking, if I would do a three-night booking, 40,000 points per night, but the average cost of the night during that time was fluctuating, it really brought down the value of the redemption in using Radisson points. And I was surprised to see that because with a lot of the other chains, I did see kind of more flexible pricing depending on the cash price of the room that night. So I found that that drove down the value of Radisson bookings pretty significantly. They were definitely on the lower end of all of the hotel programs that we looked at. And I think that that was the main reason that it went down was simply because there would be nights where the cash price went lower, but the amount of points never dropped. Yeah, 0.24 cents is your valuation on Radisson. Yeah. <laughs> it's like almost a joke. It, yeah, it, it's, definitely, <laughs> it's definitely low. So I was kind of surprised by that. And, and several people have commented saying that they tend to get better than that. And, and I agree. The little bit of experience that I have with Radisson Rewards, I had expected it to be higher than that. But strictly mathematically speaking, the average that I found was 0.24 cents. And then something that I was positively surprised by was actually Best Western. I was surprised, I guess, that the value of those was so good. It's a program that we don't really talk about. Not many people use. I actually just opened the Best Western credit card recently because I was looking for something that was kind of like a budget hotel option for having some points if I'm somewhere and none of my other points are work because they don't have a hotel here. I was surprised digging into Best Western that the valuation for the points was so high. I think that that's a combination of the fact that their rooms aren't that expensive, but also they don't need a lot of points for the redemption. So I was actually kind of surprised that it was one of the higher ones. And I will attribute that to maybe their program being kind of a little more common sense and less kind of aspirational type of booking that their points requirements weren't asinine, even though the points seem pretty easy to get now that I've started getting familiar with their program. They've been sending me emails recently, you know, book any night online, get an extra thousand points just for simply booking online in advance. Okay. That, I mean, that's easy to rack up points that way. So I was surprised that the combination of getting points easily, the cash prices are not bad, but also the number of points that you need for a room is pretty simple. So I was surprised at the valuation on that one. I was surprised at the low valuation of Radisson and the high valuation of Best Western. Yeah, so check out this article on the site because, like Mark said, bookmark it and refer back to it. And, you know, some of these programs, like with Radisson, you have to be smarter about when you use your points or else you're going to end up with really low valuations. But it's just uh, great to, to have this information. And Ryan is our you know expert at award bookings and really diving into this stuff. And uh, he does a monthly show, too, for our Diamond Patreon subscribers every month where he dives into a different program. Uh, so if you're interested in in that, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories if you want to join. 
because we have all these different uh, cool pieces of content that we do for them. But yeah, check this out on the website. And now let's talk about your trip because you just got back home after a crazy trip with lots of crazy stuff happening. Why don't you give us a quick like overview of where you went and then we can dive into some of the, the more fun stuff that happened to you along the way. Sure. So the original plan for the trip was back in around April and May when the pandemic was really in full swing and prices on airfare and stuff were just going crazy. Um, I received an alert for a discounted business class fare with LATAM uh, leaving here from Brazil and going to multiple different cities in Europe for $750 round trip business class ticket, which I thought was a deal. I knew that I wasn't going to go to Europe, but uh, that I could use that to kind of jump off to other places and visit countries that I haven't been to yet. I figured, okay, out of all of the options like Madrid, London, Frankfurt, Frankfurt seems like the best option because they've got all kinds of international connections. Boom, bought a ticket, round trip to Frankfurt. And I thought, ah, this stuff will be over by October. So I'll buy it for uh, October. <laughs> yeah. little, little did I know. Well been there. <laughs> so uh, as the, as it started getting closer, I kept thinking, oh, the flight's going to get canceled, flight's going to get canceled, flight's going to get canceled, and it didn't. So as it started getting closer, I, I talked to my wife and I said, well, remember this ticket? The flights are not getting canceled. You know, should I go? What should we do? And when we found out, basically, my option was to just get a voucher, and I don't want a $750 voucher with a LATAM at all. So we decided that, yeah, I should try to go, and I'll try to visit some countries that I haven't been to before. So I looked at connections, like where can I go from there? And I decided I would visit some countries in West Africa. So the first thing that happened was I got to the airport, tried to check in. And the guy, I eventually wound up talking to like the station manager of LATAM at the airport. And he just keeps telling me, Germany's closed. Yeah, and yeah, I know, but I don't need to go to Germany. I'm just trying to transit through the airport. I have all these emails from the border control police and all these people saying that I don't, you know, they're fine with this. I've already checked in online for my next flight. I've got carry-on bag only. Yeah, but Germany is closed. I know, but I'm not going to Germany. But Germany, I'm not closed. actually, I'm not actually there, entering <laughs> Germany. <laughs> is there an echo in here? <laughs> Uh, and he just couldn't get it through his mind. And, and I said, have you ever done an international transit where like you just pass through the airport in some country on the way to another country? And he said, well, actually, I've never flown international. And I said, oh, and you're the one who's supposed to help me under, get through this situation and understand this. Can I, can I talk to somebody else? Uh, so I wound up having to go back home and then kind of re, you know, threw the trip back together and rearranged everything. The nice thing is that because of this, they ended up giving you a full refund, right? They told me that I am eligible for a refund because of this situation, which really surprised me because um, I went, before I went home, I went over to their sales counter at the airport. I didn't want to be marked as a no-show because usually when you're a no-show, you forfeit the cost of the ticket or maybe you have to pay some big change fee. And I didn't want to be a no-show. And the guy just... Oh well, in this situation, you have a, you have the right to a refund. Do you want a refund? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so he filled out a claim form for me, and then the other day, I finally finished, went into their website and registered, and had to do kind of like a finalization to put in my bank account information. Uh, I guess instead of refunding to my original credit card that I used, 
that I don't know why, but they're going to wire transfer it to my checking account. Oh, even better. Know. You get to earn the miles and, uh, <laughs> yeah, the... I'll keep the miles. <laughs> and you don't, and I don't think you'll forget about 400 some dollars or 750 like Joe does. So <laughs> yeah, I, was, so I'm I don't know if you heard that last episode where Joe, yeah, where... there was a rounding error. <laughs> Joe's like, oh yeah, just like seven months later, I got a four hundred dollar credit. I totally forgot about it. Like, who forgets? Who forgets? Yeah, about I, I'm gonna have this one written down and marked on my calendar. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, yeah, people. so I don't know why they're doing it this way. I find it very surprising. Like, can't you just? I thought they would just refund the original form of payment, but whatever. So I wound up departing like 24 hours later. I used Singapore Airlines miles and books. There's a daily flight in between Brazil and. Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. And I basically just started typing in the city, like the main airport in any country in Africa that I have not been to yet. And just like, what's the connection here? Uh, okay, that's a maybe. What's the connection here? Nothing. What's the connection here? Ah, not available today. And just, it was, it turned into one of those, like, I want to go anywhere. <laughs> Where can I go? And my goal was that I wanted to use miles that were already in my account because I was throwing all of this kind of together at the last minute, I didn't want to transfer points out of Chase or out of American Express. I wanted to just use what I already had. And since our Olympics trip back in July had been canceled, we had a bunch of miles sitting in my Singapore Airlines account. So this was a good chance to use those. So I flew Ethiopian Airlines, arrived there kind of like late in the evening. They have a program where you, they give you a free hotel room if, you, if you're there overnight. And then I took my flight the next morning. I visited while I was there, um, so I did a kind of short stop through uh, the country of Togo. Didn't go very well. Decided I'd had enough and moved on to the next country. Um, I also visited Cote d'Ivoire, visited Sierra Leone, and visited Mauritania, which is in the far west of Africa, like right below uh, Morocco. And that was my last stop. And then from there, I flew home again, needing to do another two tickets, like split ticket international transit going through Morocco in order to get home because I wanted to still use points that I already had. The only thing I could find was using my Delta miles. And I searched every city out of Western Africa. And the only thing that I could find was to depart from Morocco. And so uh, I knew that I was going to need to get there and I could use like some British Airways miles to get to Morocco on Royal Air Morocco. And I was, again, worried, like, oh, no, here comes this other two tickets transition through a third country. This is going to be nuts. They couldn't care less that I was transiting through Morocco. <laughs> it, it was one of those situations where, like, I mentally kind of prepared for this encounter because when I wanted to check in online for my Air France flight, so I was flying Morocco to France down to Brazil, and I wanted to check in online, and it said there were extra document checks being done and that I couldn't check in online, I would have to actually go to the check-in counter in Casablanca. And I thought, oh no, here we go again. So I gathered up, you know, everything that I thought I was going to need. And I emailed the airline and emailed Air France and blah, blah, blah. And I had all of this stuff ready to go. And as I'm walking up to the passport control in Casablanca, Morocco, to tell this guy, you know, hey, I'm just here in transit. And I rehearsed all of this in my mind to try to most clearly, succinctly, like, hey, uh, I'm just here in transit. I'm just <laughs> next. I'm like, oh. Yeah, you didn't want He didn't oh, care. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was easy. Yeah. So, Get out of here. Yeah, Go. Yeah. He couldn't, couldn't care less. 
So if you're looking for a country that's easy to visit right now or a country you need to transit through on the way to somewhere else, Casablanca, Morocco. That's it. There you go. They, they, that guy couldn't care less if about transit. If you're wondering why Ryan goes to so many crazy countries, you are currently pretty deep into your goal of visiting every country in the world. How many so now I've been, been to 146 uh, with a trip that my wife and I have coming up in December. Uh, I think I'll probably finish the year at 150. And so there's 193 UN countries. UN countries in the so there's 193, yeah. So, so out of the other 43 that are left after this trip, what are Japan. you looking forward to? I've never been to Japan. Uh, it's somewhere that we've tried to go twice and the plans fell through both times. It's a country that I'm just like very, there's so much there that I'm really fascinated about um, with like their culture and just how uh, like the images of them shoving more people into the Tokyo Metro and all of these kinds of things. I'm really interested in going to Japan and it's always been, um, there are certain countries that uh, I'm not allowed to go to on my own because my wife wants to go there with me. And the two times that we've tried to go there, it hasn't worked out. So I think the fact that I've kind of planned the trip twice has really built up the excitement and then didn't get to go. So I think that that kind of uh, delayed experience has made me that much more excited about it. Delayed gratification. Yeah. <laughs> now you kind of brushed over Togo, but you wrote on the site about the situation, what kind of what happened there and how you felt discriminated against because you're Brazilian passport and people can read about the exact story on the website, but it, it reminded me of a time uh, coming back from Mongolia into China right before the Olympics in 2008, when we were crossing over the border and the uh, Chinese official was just suspicious of this American family crossing over in inner Mongolia way out, like no, no very few Westerners cross this border. And we had a eight year old child with us. And so they took my, uh, took my computer and went through everything, separated us into our, took our seven, I think it was seven at the time, year old son away from us to a different room so they could interrogate him. They, they took him behind glass so we could still see him in there, but they were asking him to make sure that he, that he uh, matched, his answers matched ours. And of course we weren't doing anything wrong. So after a couple hours, they finally let us go in a very rude kind of fashion. But it kind of reminded me of how helpless you can feel in these situations when you're crossing borders and I think people are hesitant to go places that are not, you know, on the beaten path because they're afraid of running into this stuff. And so I guess as somebody who crosses a lot of borders and runs into issues like you did in Togo, where, you know, they were suspicious of you, you know, what are some tips that you have for people to kind of keep themselves calm and, and get through these types of challenging border crossings? Sure. Um, and I think that that's, um, you mentioned about keeping calm. And I think that that's something that's important. And I, and I was surprised actually, because as I wrote about what happened and wrote the article on the website, I think a couple of people kind of read into it, uh, kind of a different approach where they felt like I was yelling at the employees and, and, and trying to like put them in their place. How dare they question me? Um, in my situation, it was more kind of just exasperation. Like, can I just, can I just please go? Can we, can we please be done? I know that I'm not up to anything. Can we please be done? I just want to get out of here. Um, You've searched so my bag we, like seven times, yeah, taking it we, apart. <laughs> taking it apart. They unscrewed the handles. And, and you know, when I finally talked to the airport manager, actually came and talked to me at one point and he said, you know, I hope that you come back to visit my country. And I said, uh, I, I doubt it. It's just not going to happen. 
and and it wasn't that I was trying to like put him in his place or like talk down to him. It was just like in exasperation. I just want to get out of here. I'm just done with this. It's emotionally draining. And I think that that helps the situation where you're not raising your voice at people because um, they have all of the control in that situation, whether they are right or they are wrong, they have the control in that situation. Um, you're not going to leave that situation until they say you can leave. And if you try to, I think, make some kind of weird power play or um, yell at them or start raising your voice, I think that that's only going to make things worse. So staying calm, even if you know that this is not right, when it's you and them, unfortunately, you need to allow them to kind of do their thing, even if you even if you totally believe that they are in the wrong. Because I think raising your voice is just going to make that situation worse, where if it turns into kind of, you know, a lot of chest thumping and posturing, at the end, they're going to win. And all you're doing is wasting the time where you've established that they won. So I would say staying calm is the biggest thing. And then working towards the solution, I think, is, is the other thing that's really important try to figure out what the problem is and specifically address that in the most efficient, most logical way possible. For mine, I knew that the the problem was that they had this mentality that people from Brazil all work with drug trafficking and are drug mules. And, and I knew this because they didn't know that I speak French. So I could hear them murmuring to each other in French, like, Oh yeah, everybody gonna, from everybody from Brazil uh, is is a drug dealer. I was so, gonna say, uh, pretend that you don't speak their uh, language if you do, and then you can <laughs> get all the all the and, inside info. Like that's that's the and that, that like kind of worked to my yeah. to my favor because I think from the beginning they just kind of started talking to me in English, and I just went with it, not thinking like not thinking that this mattered, they just started talking to me in English and I just went with it. And after a while, when they started talking to each other in French, I realized, oh, actually, I, I can use this because I understand what they're saying and they don't know it. And that actually was kind of advantageous for me because then I was able to kind of gather some information to figure out they didn't want me to know what was going on. So I was able to understand more of what was going on because I was able to understand their language. That doesn't obviously work everywhere. I don't speak Russian. I don't speak Chinese. I don't speak Arabic. So that's not always going to work in someone's situation. But for me, in this particular situation, it did work because I was able to understand that they were saying uh, he's, he must be a drug dealer. Everyone from Brazil is a drug dealer. All those people from South America work with drugs. So since I knew that was why they were holding me, then I knew that was the thing that we have to fix. Nothing else matters. It's this thing that I need to address. Uh, and so I was able to kind of tell them, you know, hey, I'm just, you know, I want to visit every country in the world. That's why I'm here. I've never been to this country before. I just wanted to visit because I'm trying to visit every country. I, you know, pulled up some pictures of me ver visiting various different places in the world. I actually took like some screenshots like, hey, I write for this website that's about travel. So uh, I think, you know, the, the Togo Drug Enforcement Agency has now heard of Miles to Memories. I was going to say, Miles <laughs> to Memories got you out of jail, man. They say, we saved you. <laughs> okay, we got so, a new reader there. I, I, think, I think that, 
Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to check the the that one site statistic for, for making pennies. <laughs> <laughs> but so it for me it that worked to my advantage because then I was able to kind of gather some intelligence on and then address specifically what was happening in my situation. They think that I'm here for no good reason. I should show them I'm here for just I like traveling. So that helped. But I think if uh, if I had tried to yell at them or cut them out or something, that would have only just made the situation worse. Because I think a lot of times that confirms your guilt in a lot of people's eyes uh, when you start getting testy and nervous and agitated. Uh, I think sometimes they see that as a confirmation of guilt and probably was just going to make the situation worse. Border crossings are the single worst part of international travel. It's the thing I like the least uh, because there's so much uncertainty. Like you said, I just try to make myself small, try to make my personality small, comply with everything they say. Uh, don't try to get an attitude. Don't try to get you know self-entitled. Don't expect to be like you know back home, wherever you're from, because you know every country does things differently. And uh, like you said, they ultimately have the power. But I've been in quite a number. The, the one in China always comes to mind because that was the only time my kid was taken from me uh, at a border. But uh, there's been quite a few that were just crazy. And yeah, like do, do yourself a favor and remain calm. And of course, don't do anything wrong because then you don't have to be anything to be nervous about. So, you know, French speaking French saved you in that, a little bit because I, I can only imagine like if you're hearing somebody speak a language you don't understand, you know, then you get even more stress in the situation. So that was good that you you were able to decipher what they were talking about and what they were looking for. But that also le- led to, you know, kind of a funny story on your trip where you ordered your ticket in French and then uh, they wanted to make sure that you didn't mess up when you were, when you were booking the so, flight or something. Yeah. So this was actually it led to kind of one of the one of the two really funny parts of the trip was. Um, so I was checking in my last stop before going home was I was going to go to Mauritania because then from there I could easily jump to Morocco, which is right next door. So I'm checking in for my flight to Mauritania. And the flight uh, was one of those like that kind of bounces through and like stops in a couple of places, like on a, on a circuit and you, you know, stops here. Some people get off, some people get on and they're like, where are you going? And in the capital of Mauritania is called Nuakshot. And I was like, Nuakshot. And the guy looked at me like final destination. Yeah. Final destination. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, okay. And so I, I check in, he gives me my ticket. I go through passport control and I'm on my way out. And, and then I was sitting in the, the lounge and this, the guy from the check-in comes and says, uh, uh, excuse me, sorry to bother you, but my, my boss wanted me to confirm, you know that you're going to Nuakshot in, in Mauritania, right? <laughs> and I said, yes. And he said, because I can tell that, you know, and I was speaking to him in French because uh, we were in uh, Benin, uh, passing through the airport in Benin. And, and he said, because I can tell that, you know, French isn't your first language. And I said, okay, yeah, what about it? And he said, so they just wanted me to make sure that you didn't get confused because of this language barrier and that you actually understood where you're buying this ticket to. So I'm going to show you on a map where Mauritania is. And I said, yeah, I know. I, I'm going there on purpose. Like, I'm not confused. I'm intentionally going to Mauritania. And the guy said, but there are so many more beautiful places you could go to instead. Uh, and that like kind of gave me this sinking feeling like, 
Wait, oh, is there no. something about Mauritania that I don't know? Uh, and when I got there, I, I will say that actually the, the foreshadowing that this guy gave me kind of lived up to its name. Uh, I didn't find it very beautiful. But it was really <laughs> funny that it was just really funny that the guy, they thought there's no way that this like young white guy from another country is going to Mauritania on purpose. We, we should help him. <laughs> He's confused. That's awesome. Uh, so so what was the was, other? What was, was the other funny story? The other really funny part of my trip was when I was passing through the airport in Casablanca. Because of COVID restrictions, you know, there are certain things at the airport are closed, and they have those markings on the chairs. You can't sit here. Blah blah blah. What's one place in the airport where you just you can't have people with their masks on and doing social distancing? The smoking booth. You know those smoking booths inside the airport where like people go in yeah. and you can close the door and you can smoke in here. Well, there's no way you can put people in there with social distancing and masks on. So the smoking booth was closed. And as I walked through the airport in Casablanca, people were just like, ah, oh, screw this man. And they were just standing next to the smoking booth, smoking in the airport because the door <laughs> was locked to the smoking booth. So they were just standing outside the smoking booth, smoking. And as I rounded the corner, I was like, man, it smells like somebody's smoking. And then I see like five people just smoking in the hallway of the airport right next to the Oh, nice. Room. I was like, That's I can't crazy. believe the audacity. I was, I was dying. You're going to close it on I me. Get, I get, you got to get me the team, man. <laughs> Reminds me back in the day in China, like China in the last 10 years has gotten really strict against smoking. But before that, everybody smoked everywhere. And then they started kind of putting rules in place, but nobody listened to them. So whether you were on a train or wherever you were, people were lighting up when they weren't supposed to. And then, of course, somebody would have to come over and yell at them and then be a big old fight. And Isn't that uh, Disneyland Paris? Didn't you say that they have a big smoking problem there, too? In Disneyland Paris? I don't remember there. I mean, I remember in Shanghai Disneyland, they, they would smoke oh, maybe. in the bathrooms. Yeah, I think that's probably Okay, maybe it was. Okay. Yeah, Got them mixed up in the bathrooms. Both my 2016 and 17, both times I was there, they were smoking in the bathrooms. 2019, <laughs> they weren't. But I did. You should just walk around. You should walk around with uh, packs of Nicorette and like your cargo pants and just be like, here you go. Here you guys go. You can you can stop this. The funny thing about Shanghai Disneyland is it got all that Western press about people going to the bathroom and the planters and all that. And I got a little offended by that. I don't know why I got offended by it, but I felt like the need to. to defended when i went there in 2016 and 17 and nobody did any of that stuff everybody was pretty well behaved with the exception of the smoking in the bathrooms and then last year 2019 i was there and somebody just squatted right in a bush right in front of me and i was like darn <laughs> was like darn being on the las vegas strip a lot people think i'm picking on china i have seen people I go to the bathroom right in front of me, right here in La- in Las Vegas, right in the United States. So it's not unique to China. That is a worldwide thing. It happens a lot yes. in New Orleans too. New Orleans. Yeah, exactly. So, just to be clear, I'm not uh, trying to to say anything there. Well, we're running a little bit long, so we're going to move on to rapid fires. I already did mine. Check out the Circuit Tour video. Really cool hotel casino, brand new downtown Las Vegas. Something different than you've seen before. So if you like Vegas. You're interested? Check it out on the Miles to Memories YouTube channel. Mark, what do you got? So I have. I wrote a post a couple of years ago, like why everybody, almost everyone, should get a Sapphire Preferred instead of a Sapphire Reserve. I updated that with all the new figures and the increased offer on the Sapphire Preferred, which ends uh, on the eighth. It's at eighty. 
thousand points right now. So I redid it with all those numbers and it's even crazier. The difference you'd have to spend like $40,000 in travel or dining to make up the difference. If you, if you signed up for the reserve first, so pretty much everybody should sign up for the preferred the first year. And then if you want to upgrade after the, the first year to the reserve, then, you know, the numbers it's, it drops down to like $10,000, something like that, that you have to spend those areas. That doesn't include some of the perks like, you know, priority pass and all that. So if you want more of the details, check out the article. It gives you the full breakdown. But I just wanted to reaffirm, you know, back in the day when I wrote this and I I laid out all the math, people like hated on it and wanted to argue with me. And now it's come full circle where everybody signs up for the preferred first and then upgrades to the reserve. So I was ahead of the game, I guess. But um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so check it out if you were thinking about getting one of the two cards and you're under chase 524 grab it before the eighth this is the highest offer we've seen on the preferred there's no telling if it'll come back it's normally at sixty thousand. so you're talking about twenty thousand po- more points which is pretty big so how about you ryan i actually want to talk about a combination of two articles that we had recently one was one of our deals postings about the uber discounted um uber eats gift cards And then also an article that Benji wrote about maximizing the new Uber credits and how you can stack those things together. So with the upcoming um, announcements about Uber credits that we're going to get from the various cards from Amex, and you'll be able to get things like free delivery charges, plus there are discounted Uber gift cards right now, it can lead to a lot of good value. But I say those and I want to highlight them because of a word of caution. Um, earlier this year, there were people having their Uber accounts shut down and, and some people were fighting, trying to get their money back because they were buying so many Uber gift cards and loading them all into their account at one time. So there are great chances for um, saving some money, really stacking a bunch of deals on top of each other, but be careful about going too fast and loading too many gift cards because um, Uber does tend to shut people down for that sometimes. So. Um, check out the articles. There are some great deals. You can stack them um, and, and save a lot of money. Just be careful about how fast you're doing it and don't load gift cards in maybe until you're ready to use them. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Ryan, Ryan, if people want to find you during the week when they're not listening to this podcast, where can they uh, where can they look? Sure. They can find me every week writing articles on Miles to Memory. Also, if they're interested in some of the awards redemption stuff that you mentioned earlier, um, once a month, I do a live session with our Diamond Patreon members talking about rewards booking, um, award bookings, award travel, um, taking detailed questions and um, answering their questions. So they can find me there or find um, any of the articles that I've written on the website. Feel free to comment. Uh, I get notifications when you comment and if you've got questions, you can ask me there and I'll get back. Or you can just tweet Mark uh, at Detroit Mark. But Mark, where else can people find you other than with your great Twitter <laughs> username? Oh, Sean loves Detroit Mark. Loves him. I do. I, I think it's a great, great name. So you can uh, email me, mark at milestomemories.com. Uh, comment on the website. Join our Facebook groups. We have several. We have Disney Hacks. We have uh, just a, a regular Miles and Points group. We have a reselling group. We have the Diamond group. Um, so I'm in there all day. And I said email, right? Didn't I? Yeah. So how about you, Sean? <laughs> My email is sean at milestomemories.com. And this week on the Disney Hacks podcast, I did a solo hosting gig. So if you're interested in seeing what it's like. Is it me, is it called hosting when you solo? Is it called? I, I don't know. But uh, 15 minutes of me talking about Disney, if you're interested, DisneyHacks.com. And of course, the, the Patreon 
dot com forward slash miles to memories if you really are interested in diving in deeper. Ryan does his monthly show. Benji does a monthly show on spending. Mark and I do uh, 30 minutes every week before we record this podcast. And you can also listen and watch the podcast live. And of course, we have Discord and Facebook groups as well for them. So it's just a great uh, experience, I think. We, we try to do for our Patreons, uh, try to help them out. And I know. Information. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. What about you, Sean? All right. Well, I already did. Sean already did his. (laughs) Joe, edit that Uh, out. Hey, everyone. Joe here. You could not get through one episode without me. Sorry. Just chiming in real quickly. uh, Mark, Sean, and Ryan played a little game after they finished recording the main episode. They played it. Uh, amongst themselves but also with the diamond chat uh you know as sean has said you know you can sign up for diamond at patreon.com slash miles to memories anyway it's a pretty fun game where ryan names a fictional or factual place and sean mark and everyone in the chat needs to figure out what it is so you know this is the end of the episode but if you are interested in playing along with the game uh, i did while i was editing it uh you know feel free to check that out all right take care everyone Okay, so anybody still watching, you guys, hopefully you can join in on this. Ryan's going to name a place, and we have to guess if it's a real, actual, legit, and this is going to either be a place he went to or a place he made up. We have to guess if it's a legit place or if it's completely fabricated. And I'm going to be terrible at this game because geography is, like, my worst thing ever. But let's go. Let's Here roll. we go. Keep, keep your own scores. all right me and sean me and sean we should do you have something to write it down because we should write it down since there's a little bit of a delay until people start saying what they want to say no i don't and then after we read a couple then we'll uh then we'll show ours i gotta oh my god i guess we could just say it i don't know if i want to i don't know if i trust sean thumbs up or thumbs down i'm 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 just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna watch oh boo i'll I'll play but i'm not gonna cheat i promise okay all right, okay. first place. So here we go. Place number one, and uh, people can comment in the in the chat box. Place number one, Freeville. What is it? Freeville. How do you spell it? Can you use it in a sentence? I L L E. The word origin is Latin. All right, Rick. What do you think? Real, unreal. Who else is here? Kim. Real, unreal. Megan. Quit sewing for a minute. Legit. Yvonne says legit. Okay. I was gonna, I was leaning towards legit. But Yvonne, Yvonne's a, a more knowing soul than me. Oh, somebody says Faco. Patrick says not legit. We're 50-50. Too odd to be. <laughs> do not be legit. Not real. Oh, it's like half and half. I so tend to agree with you? them. Yeah, because I haven't I was, heard of it, so I'm going not real. I'm going a thumbs up. It's not real. Oh, Yvonne, you 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 suck. <laughs> you you put too much credit in what he says. It is not real. Okay. Okay. Next one. Number number two, Deng Feng. <laughs> that sounds legit to me. Deng Feng. That sounds very legit. I'm gonna say I'm gonna give it this. What are you leaning towards, Sean? Yeah, I'm 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 agreeing with you on that. 
just jumped over the right time voting fake. We got a fake. Anthony from from the uh, – oh, we were just in talking about Olympia. people being in the streets in New Orleans too. You missed it. Deng Fung is real. It's where the famous Shaolin Temple is, the birthplace of Kung Fu. Oh, birthplace of Kung Fu. Deng Fung is a real one. Number okay. three, Wagadougou. <laughs> I like it. I hope it's real. <laughs> Wagadougou. Okay, I got my answer. <laughs> Wagadougou. I want to go to Wagadougou now. I'm voting real. I don't know. Why. I think it's got it's it's too cool not to be real. It's got to be real. All right, let's let some more roll in. We got a fake from Anthony. Megan we says legit. From Megan, come on, Rick, where you at? We got a fake. Fake from Patrick. Wagadougou is real. Oh it's the, yeah, it's the capital of I'm voting real on Wagadougou. Wagadougou. <laughs> it actually doesn't start with a W. It starts with O U A. Where, where is it? It's the capital of Burkina Faso. Airport code O U A. You could have said you could have said that country, and I wouldn't have known what the hell. I would have said fake. <laughs> on, on, I would have said fake on that country. <laughs> All right, number four. Sure. Number four, San Pedro de Fortuna. San Pedro de Fortuna. Ooh, Ooh I think I. What do I All right, Rick was the last one at boom. He said boom. I think he got the last one right, but this is the next person. San Pedro de Fortuna. All right, we got uh, fake. we got, got a, a fake from fake. Patrick. You, fake from. I think you took like two names of things and put them together. <laughs> I did. Totally. So fake. it was real, real, but fake together. I cut two names and put them together. All right. I'm four for four, baby. Who knows? See, Sean's cheating. I told you he was cheating. I'm not cheating. (laughs) Our next one Puno. 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 That sounds dirty. (laughs) Puno. I'm glad we didn't do this on the podcast. (laughs) Joe might cut it in the outtakes. You never know. (laughs) Joe, put it in the outtakes, man. Put it in the outtakes. It's good stuff. Rick says fake and legit. Like he's just playing. I'm gonna say hedging his bet. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an up. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna go just to go opposite of you. I'm gonna go fake, but I don't have a good feeling on this either way. Puno is real. It's in. uh, It's in Peru on the shores of Lake Titicaca, made famous by Beavis and Butthead. Lake (laughs) Titicaca. Lake Titicaca. And I will tell you. Okay, Joe. Now Joe needs (laughs) the way he needs to. He needs to use that as an outtake. You say Lake Titicaca. Just well, like I used that. to watch. I mean, you used to watch Beavis and Butthead for like thirty minutes to get like two funny parts, but those two funny parts would always make it worth it. Oh man! Just for some context, Puno uh, is probably the ugliest place that I've ever been to, and it has become a joke between my wife and I that if like if somewhere we're not really liking it, we say, "Well, at least it's not Puno." So, tip: don't go there. If you're, <laughs> if one, if no, one did there, you just say <laughs> tip and Puno? <laughs> It's it's one of very few places that I've changed and my Titicaca. ticket and left early because I didn't and like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, number six, Viental. How many are there? How many? How many? I made ten. Ten. Okay. Ten. Sean, you're going to be here for a while. Calm down. This is fun. <laughs> Megan I'm says fake in. for Viental. I'm saying fake. Rick. Oh, Patrick says real. Rick says fake. Sean, what do you got? Going, oh, oh, Yvonne says this. good strategy going the opposite fake. of Mark. Fake. And you put capital it Mark with a totally capital K. Fake. It's totally it's fake. fake. Okay. Yep. I win. 
Raytown. 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 I see, I kind of think that's got to be. That real. sounds like a TV show. Like that sounds like something that like would be on the WB network. Like, Raytown. oh, we're we're growing. We're in a Hallmark, we're, we're country singers Hallmark in Raytown. <laughs> One of those Hallmark made for TV. Yeah, the Hallmark. Oh my gosh, my mom watches those Hallmark Christmas my movies. It'd be funny if you like. Hi, Abby, if you're listening. You're, oh, I say hi, Mom. And then Sean says hi, Ab- hi, Mrs. O. <laughs> you better say be listening if Joe doesn't cut this out. Hi, Mrs. O. Raytown is totally real. It's a suburb of Kansas City. Oh, oh. I was thinking it was like in Djibouti or something. <laughs> Raytown, Missouri. Raytown, Djibouti. I thought it was Raytown, Ray, Raytown, Ray all over Djibouti. Ray's on the Djibouti. All right, number eight, Yenna. That sounds real to me. Raytown. Down. Fake. We don't have anybody from Kansas City in this group. They would have been like, yeah, man, I live like 20 minutes away from Raytown. <laughs> sounds like, Megan said, sounds like someplace in Florida. <laughs> Raytown. <laughs> it does. Even, even not not Vienna. Vienna. Uh, I said fake. Fake. Or Mark did I say real? Think. I don't remember, but anyway. I don't remember. I said fake. I think I said fake. What is it? It's real. It's real. It's in Germany. J-E-N-A Yena. Okay. Oh, I think I said real at first. I'm just All playing. Right. My wife like my wife says I like to play both sides and then, then claim I was right. Number like nine. Che- no, not Cellograd. 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 It's too cool to not be real. It's too cool. Sorry, Yvonne. We... We have a very basic English understanding here. So you have you know too many languages. That's the problem with you, is that you try to actually, we just try to filter everything through our American English. Under- All right, what are we, number nine? <laughs> Kilograd, totally fake. I'm totally oh, made boo. it up. Boo. Last one, batum bang. Batum bang. Batum bang. Bang, the saying, ba- bang the bottom? I'm saying that's true. Batum bang. That's, that's real. That's good. That's too cool not to be real. I don't. Although I think Raytown's the most fun. Megan nailed it. Sounds like it's from Florida. Florida man from Raytown. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, it does. It does sound Florida like man it. from Raytown wears uh, pink bikini wears while robbing Seven Eleven. Wears his underwear on the outside of his pants, like done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bang is real. It's a place yes. in Cambodia. Nice. Well, nice. that was fun. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming. We got to go. We got to get out of here. Yeah, I'm going to go to bed after 1 a.m. Next to Bikini Bar. Thanks for partying with us. Thanks, everybody, for sticking around. That was fun. Joe, better keep that in. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off 
at MVMT.com.